Last week's college admission scandal involving dozens of rich and famous parents had just about everyone talking, and it proved what many had already guessed. The system is rigged and mostly benefits a very small group of Americans. Enter a Harvard dropout who plans to fix the college admission system, and she wants to do it with video games. This is TikTok. I'm David Myers. Joining me now from Washington is Bloomberg Opinion Editor Ramesh Ratnazar, who reported on this for this week's Bloomberg Business Week. Thanks for doing this today, Ramesh. Thanks for having me. You mentioned in your article that, statistically speaking, this is the golden age of higher education. Why is that? Well, basically, there are more people in the United States going to school for more time, uh, that is, attaining more education um, than at any time uh, in the nation's history. And I mean, if you just look at the statistics, as I said, um, if you look back uh, 100 years ago, or not even 100 years ago, uh, just to the 1940s, um, the number of people who had four-year college degrees in the United States was around 5% of the population. And now uh, it's more than one in three Americans who have four-year degrees. So it's gone from one in 20 to one in three. Um, if you look at the number of high school students who are graduating this spring who will go to college in the fall, um, that number is around 70% of all high school students um, go straight to college. Uh, and just since the 70s, that's up 20 points. So. Um, if you just look in terms of how many people are pursuing higher education in the United States um, and how many people are actually getting degrees, um, that number is higher than it's ever been. And so that all sounds like really good news, but what are the realities of higher education in the U.S., especially when we learned of stories last week about this massive admission scandal uh, that became just national news? The scandal really, um, in some ways, highlighted um, broader problems. At the same time, um, it's important to sort of keep it in perspective. So, um, you know, the big problem in higher education today is that it works extremely well for a very narrow band of families and students in the U.S. And so uh, all those numbers that I just mentioned about the number of um, students who uh, are now getting degrees, um, the number of people going to college right after high school, um, all that is true. But if you look at uh, the benefits and how, that, how it, it falls on the income distribution in the U.S., you'll see that the vast majority of the benefits are really flowing to the top 25% of um, families. Um, and in many ways, if you look at the benefits from um, people going to what we would consider the most selective schools, so these are schools that um, accept fewer than half of all applicants, um, that's really uh, an even smaller percentage of, of people who are benefiting. And then if you look at the very top, and that's sort of like the, um, the truly elite schools, the Ivy League schools, plus schools like Stanford and Duke or the University of Chicago, uh, you find that the student bodies at those schools are disproportionately overrepresented by uh, students who come from families in the 1%. So basically what you're seeing is that the benefits of higher education um, have tilted way too far uh, in the direction of benefiting a very small number of people. 
And there's someone who has an idea to fix that problem. And it's what your cover story in this week's Bloomberg Business Week talks about. And it's about a 27-year-old Harvard dropout named Rebecca Cantor who has a plan to fix the system. What does she say is the problem of the system? Where does she place the blame? So she diagnoses the, the, a problem that a lot of people have diagnosed, which is that um, uh, the U.S. education system, up to and including um, higher education, is doing a poor job of preparing the vast majority of students for uh, the jobs of the future, for success in the workplace, success in life, um, uh, in their adult years. And so um, what she really sees as the core of the problem or an aspect of the problem that if you don't fix it, you can't actually uh, ultimately solve the wider issue, um, is uh, the way in which we test and assess student potential. And, and so what is her plan then to fix this decades-old long system? So she has um, decided to try to create assessments that will compete with and maybe ultimately replace the standardized tests that we have today. And these um, are tests that are digital. They resemble video games. They are not multiple choice, so they are simulation-based. They provide or present the users with problems that they have to solve, tasks um, that you're supposed to use your critical thinking skills to try to um, uh, solve. And um, using all of that data that they collect in, in administering this game to come up with an evaluation of how does this person think, not just what they know and how well are they prepared for a given assessment, but how do they think? What are their critical thinking skills? How well can they solve problems, et cetera? And these are the sorts of skills that employers and um, also people in education say that we should be promoting among our students. You know, it's a little ironic that um, a college dropout thinks that she can fix the college admission system, but she raised almost $24 million for her company to do this. So how did she get here to begin with? Well, you know, she um, started the company when she was uh, in college. She went to Harvard. She left after two years. She started a uh, sort of small um, consulting, brand consulting business um, that she sold um, and then used some of the money from, from that um, sale to uh, start the process of building this company called Embellis. Um, she has been able to raise money, which not many people have been able to do, and that's been one of the problems and one of the reasons why it's been hard to challenge the existing um, incumbents in the standardized testing industry is that it's, it's expensive to develop these tests, mm -hmm. develop really good tests that are really based in the science um, that actually are reliable, um, that people are not going to cheat on. Um, she has put together a team um, that has uh, impressed a lot of the investors she's gone to um, um, ask for, for money from. And uh, I think she has been able, in ways that other people have not, um, to uh, marry the testing world with the gaming world. Uh, and she's been able to put, or start to put, those two fields together to create games that are immersive and interesting and engaging, but are also deeply grounded in science and the latest research in um, cognitive abilities and uh, the ways in which people uh, think and the way they learn. And so that's why what she's doing is different really from everything that's come before it. 
um, and why she feels that she has a better chance of breaking into this system that has been very much um, dominated by a small number of players for many years. And considering that system is so dominating, and considering it's a $10 billion industry, what type of challenges is she facing? What kind of walls is she running into to, and to crack this? Uh, you know, the biggest one is that um, it's hard to scale. It's, um, you know, you, it's hard to convince schools, it's hard to convince educators, it's hard to convince parents that... Uh, they should try something that is different, innovative, to some extent untested, and uh, that the results from that assessment are going to be more indicative of uh, a person's ability to succeed than the tests that we already have. So there's just a sort of inertia in the system that she has to overcome. Um, and I think the other thing she has to overcome is that for uh, a lot of people, and this kind of goes back to what we, were, we started with, um, the system is working. Um, the colleges would say the existing tests they have do a very good job of predicting who is going to be able to handle the material that they're going to be um, confronted with when they get to college. And so uh, that is one of the reasons why the SAT and the ACT uh, remain in such wide use despite a lot of the criticisms and a lot of the reservations people have about them. The colleges themselves still think that they are valuable as a predictive tool. So she's going to have to overcome that and be able to convince um, colleges that even if the SAT is a predictive tool, what she has is even better. While she's trying to convince these parents and to convince these universities that what she's building will be better in the long run. What do experts that, that you talk to, are, are um, what do they say as a risk to the educational system, to the future workforce, if this idea isn't the right one? You know, one of the concerns with um, anything like what she's doing, which is um, a, a test that is trying to assess not what you've learned necessarily in the classroom, not you know, how well you understand, um, uh, you know, concepts in biology or algebra um, or whether you can recall um, um, facts from your history class, which is kind of what a lot of tests um, still to this day measure. And what she's talking about are tests that are actually going to put you in a situation, a real-world situation, in which you're going to have to um, figure out a solution and we're going, to sh we're going to try to assess, based on that, how well you can solve problems. I think a lot of people would say, well, that's going to get away from the fundamentals of education, from the basics that actually are the very things that people from um, underprivileged backgrounds, from lower-income schools and school districts, are the very things that they need most. And that if you uh, create a system in which people are being evaluated for all these sort of softer skills, um, you're actually going to hurt this, the very students you're trying to help. And I think that's one of the um, critiques or one of the concerns that people have about uh, this approach to assessments that she's trying to start. Ramesh, thank you so much for doing this today. Thank you. Make sure you follow Ramesh and his column on Twitter. He's at Ramesh Ratnazar. That's the TikTok for today. Thanks for listening, and please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm David Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers, and you can get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.